keep hanging in there. Your labor is not in vain. Say, keep hanging in there. Talk to your neighbor. Don't touch him. Let's talk to him. Your labor is not in vain. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Keep hanging in there. Your labor is not in vain. Now, the story is told about Andrew Jackson. His boyhood friends just couldn't understand how he became a general and a famous and then a president of the United States. Now, on a sidebar note, because I want you to get it twisted. I am no fan of Andrew Jackson <laughs> because he enslaved our ancestors. But as they say, a broke clock is right twice a day. Amen. So out of this illustration, it didn't come from him. It came from his friends. However, it was about him. And that's why it's important to teach all of history. Because half history is a whole lie. Amen. So anyhow, his friends knew of other men who had been greater than he has, who, than, than Andrew Jackson was. And they had greater talent than he had, but they never succeeded as he did. And one of his friends said, why Jim Brown, who lived right down the pipe from Jackson, was not only smarter, but he could throw Andy three times out of four in a wrestling match. But look where Andy is now. Another friend responded, how did there happen to be a fourth time? Didn't they usually say three times and out? Sure, they were supposed to, but not Andy. He would never admit he was beat. He would never say throwed. I mean, that's right, throwed. <laughs> Jim Brown would get tired and on the fourth try, Andrew Jackson would throw him and be declared the winner. Now, picking up on that idea, someone has said the thing that counts is not how many times you are thrown, but whether you are willing to be thrown and stay thrown. Let me say it like this. Let me put it where you can get it. The normal Christian life is a battle. The normal Christian life is a battle. The Bible often speaks of children, of his children, God's children, being soldiers. And we should not expect things to always be calm and peaceful. The question is not whether we fail or get tired, but whether we get back up when we do. So I want to encourage you today Keep hanging in there. Your labor, your work is not in vain as long as it's in the Lord. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's where we'll begin. Now, it was uh, written by Paul, and the purpose was to identify problems in the Corinthian church to offer the Corinthian church solutions and to teach believers how to live for Christ in a corrupt society. He wrote that book all the way back then, this epistle all the way back then to them, trying to teach them how to live for Jesus in a corrupt society. He may as well have us right there, huh? Now, I was watching uh, uh, Summer of Soul. I watched, I, couldn't, I didn't watch all of it, but I watched most of it. 
some or so back in 1969, they had a concert back in Harlem, uh, a Harlem festival. And some of the same things that they were talking about then that was pertaining to us is still happening now pertaining to us. So what was happening then is relatable to now, just as when Paul wrote this epistle to them then, it's relatable to us now. So he was providing, Paul was providing a thorough teaching about the resurrection of believers from the dead. Now, if you look at the whole of chapter 15, the first part talks about uh, Christ's resurrection. Then it talks about the resurrection from the dead from verse 12. And then by the time it reaches verses 35, it talks about we shall rise in glory. Amen. And what Paul was teaching to people was a direct counter to some of those Corinthians that did not believe in such a resurrection. He shows that the natural death is not the end for believers. Now, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to go to heaven. So Paul was showing that the natural death is not the end for the believer. It is the last step before receiving a glorified, resurrected body like that of the risen Christ. Now, that spiritual body will be as different as a star from a fish, from our natural body. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I thank God for that. In that moment, for all believers in Christ, living and dead, death will be defeated for good. So let's start at verse number 50. And it says this. And, you know, a lot of times they read this at uh, uh, home going services and funerals. However, there's some truth, some meat in this in these bones, on these bones. Amen. Amen. Now, I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit what? The kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit what? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be what? Changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trump, the trumpet shall what? Sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Changed. Verse 53, and we'll stop here for a moment. For this corruptible must. (laughs) It says this corruptible what? Must. That's an affirmative word. That's not a maybe word. That's a no question word for this. What corruptible must put on what incorruption and this mortal do what must put on what immortality. Now, we all have limitations. (laughs) I don't care how young you get. You think when you're young, you think you can do anything and not. But we all have limitations. Now, some may have physical, mental, or emotional disabilities. Some may be blind, but they can see a new way to live. Some may be deaf, but they can hear the good news of God's voice. Amen. Some may be lame, but they can walk in God's love. The good news is all of those disabilities that I listed and those that I didn't list are temporary. Amen. 
I don't care if you live to be a hundred. They are bound by time. (laughs) So the back pain you got right now, it's temporary. This Achilles heel that's been bothering me is temporary. The headache you may have been getting over and over again is temporary. The disability that she may have in the natural is temporary. (laughs) That is the good news of the gospel. The disabilities are only what? Temporary. They will only last in time, not into eternity. And the good, good, good news of it is time is short and eternity is long. Amen. We was talking yesterday, me and Roy, and we was talking about this is the only time in time that we have. Amen. Once we leave time, we are not coming back to time in this form and shape. Amen. Now, I'm not saying none of that other crazy stuff, but I'm saying this is the only time in time that we have. And so what am I saying? We need to make wise use of the time we have, whether we are disabled or not disabled, whether we have pain or not in pain, whether we go through suffering or not going through suffering. We need to make wise use of our time. So I'm telling you, keep hanging in there. (laughs) Your labor is not in vain as long as you are in the Lord. Amen. Paul tells us that we all will be given new bodies when Jesus returns and that these bodies will be without disabilities. These bodies will never die and these bodies will never become sick anymore. Praise God. That's real freedom. Amen. Ooh, okay. All right. Let me slow down. Y'all got me in a rush. Got me excited. Now, here's the difference between their physical body, because I want to make it plain, and your resurrection body. Your physical body is perishable. That means it's subject to decay, it's it's subject to ruin, and it's subject to destruction. Hmm. I mean, your resurrection body is perishable. I'm sorry. It's subject to decay, ruin, and destruction. Your resurrection body is imperishable, which means it's not subject to decay. It's not discovered. It's not susceptible to ruin, and it's not uh, 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 indestructible. In fact, it's not destructible. It's indestructible. Guess what? Your resurrection body is enduring. What does that mean? It will be able to endure through eternity. Amen. Amen. Your physical body was sown in dishonor. Your resurrection body will be raised in glory. Your physical body is sown in weakness. But your spiritual body will be raised in power. Your physical body is natural, but your spiritual body will be what? Spiritual. Amen. 
Your physical body is from the dust of the ground. But your spiritual body is from heaven. <laughs> Amen. Your spiritual body will be indestructible and incorruptible. Yes. Say, my body, my, my spiritual body, my spiritual will be indestructible and incorruptible. Lay that there. It will be indestructible. It's hard to imagine in your natural mind. But however, you can't see, look through your natural eye. You have to look through your spiritual eye to understand we, turn, we serve an eternal God who has no limits or bounds, who is going to raise us up incorruptible and make us indestructible. What the devil going to do with somebody that knows that? Amen. So I want to tell you, keep hanging in there. <laughs> keep hanging in there. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's go a little bit deeper. All right. Let's start at verse 454. It says this. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on what? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is what? Swallowed up in what? Victory. O death, where is thy what? O grave, where is thy? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, we're going to stop here. But thanks be to who? God. Which gives us the what? How? All right, let me just, let's, let's get into this word victory. Victory in Greek is nikos, which is derived from the word Nike. Nike did not coin this word. This was a Greek, this is a Greek word. Amen. So wear your Nikes, you're wearing victory. No, I'm just going to put that aside. I'm not selling shoes for Nike. Amen. But victory in Greek is nikos, which is derived from the word Nike. Victory has a very deep meaning. Y'all ready for this deep meaning of victory? The deep meaning of victory is this. Victory. Victory. Just victory. The deep meaning of victory is victory. Just, the deep, just as the deep meaning for good is good. Amen. The deep meaning for victory is victory. In the New Testament, this victory always refers to the conquest accomplished for the believer in Christ, which conquered all the powers of darkness and or sin. Although we all die unless Jesus returns, death cannot exert conquest or get the victory over the believer because our victory is wrapped up in the victory that Jesus won over death. Hmm. Amen. Now, the results of Christ's conquest, they come through and by faith. In other words, they are transferred by grace to the regenerated believer. Let me put it where you can get it. The unbeliever does not have this victory. But the regenerated believer has this victory. Let's talk about the ungenerated believer. Another word for regenerated is rebirth or born again. 
Amen. That's the phrase born again. As Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again in John chapter three. Amen. So for the regenerated believer, we have this victory in which death cannot conquer us. We may die physically, but we will not stay dead. Amen. When we die physically, we are alive spiritually because we are already alive spiritually before we die. <laughs> Your rebirth is distinguished from your first birth because when you were conceived physically, you inherited your sin nature. Amen. Whether you have sinned or not, whether you zero years old, you were born into sin because of our first father, Adam. But your new birth is spiritual, it's holy, and it's heavenly, which results in your being made spiritually alive. You may die physically, but your spirit is still alive. You may lay down in front of us, but your spirit is still alive. You may be dead as a doornail, but your spirit is alive. Why? Because you in your natural state are dead. You what? Are dead in your trespasses and sin until you are made alive by Christ. When you are made, how are you made alive by Christ? When you receive him as your Lord and Savior, that means you are in Christ. Christ is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit and you are made alive. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that's going to raise you from the dead. Praise God. The most important part why you are in this physical body when you are spiritually alive is it's that part of you that can connect with God. That is important. Your spirit connects with God. If you are an unbeliever, you can only be led by your head or your conscience. Amen. But when you are spiritually alive, you have the ability to connect with God, which gives you the ability to be led by the spirit. And we are living at a time where we need to be led by the spirit more now than ever. Right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And old, old, old Satan, he seemed to be victorious in the Garden of Eden and even at the cross of Jesus. But God turned his apparent victory into defeat when Jesus rose from the dead. And that scripture that we just read says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Now, all death can do is make a lot of noise. Because Jesus holds the stinger in his hands. He holds the stinger in his feet. He holds the stinger in his side. And when he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, by his stripes we are healed. He took the sting. 
because Jesus holds the stinger in his hand. Praise God. It still hurts. Don't get me wrong when a loved one crosses over. It still hurts. However, if they are in Christ, that sting will be taken out because you know that you know that you know you are going to see them again. Amen. If your grandmama was in Christ when she died, you're going to see her again. And plus, you're going to see people that you have never met, your ancestors that you have never met who prayed for you. You weren't even born yet, but prayed for the following generation and you are their answer to their prayers. Amen. So when you get to heaven and you see some ancestors that you don't know, they're going to recognize you. You're going to recognize them and they're going to say, you are an answer to my prayer. Praise God. Keep hanging in there. (laughs) Your labor is not in vain as long as you're in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. It says, therefore. Go ahead. It says this. But thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 58. And I'm going to look at part A. Therefore, my beloved brethren, or my dear brothers and sisters, be ye what? Steadfast. We're going to stop there for a minute. Put a pen in steadfast. Now, steadfast has been used many times in the Bible. So we need to look at what we need to look at what it means in Hebrew or from the Old Testament perspective or the Greek, which is the New Testament perspective. All right. Now, steadfast in Hebrew means a man or a man, which means to be firm. It means to be faithful. It means to be true. It means to trust. It means to have belief. It means to believe. It means to be firm, faithful, true, trust, have belief, and to believe. This word indicates that a subject is lasting or enduring. It also signifies being firm or trustworthy. Isaiah 22 and 23, you don't have to go there, but I'll read it in the New King James Version. It says, I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. This scripture refers to a firm place. All right. The peg will remain firmly anchored even if it gets pushed and the tip breaks off. It will be immovable. So when you are steadfast from the Old Testament perspective, you are like a peg in God. The tip may be cut off, but you will become when the tips cut off, you will be immovable. Amen. Think about it. If you get the tip cut off and the peg is in there, that means nobody can pluck you out of that wall. Right. It will be immovable. Steadfast is also used to speak of faithful people who fulfill their obligations. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13 says, a talebearer <laughs> reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. And a talebearer reveals secrets, somebody who tattletales. Now, you have to be careful in who you tell your secrets to, 
because you don't know who they telling your secrets to. Amen. You don't only have to be careful of the company that you keep. You got to be careful of the company that they keep. <laughs> because a talebearer receives a seek, revealed secrets, but he who is a faithful spirit, a steadfast spirit, conceals the matter. Amen. Now, there are times when this word steadfast uh, or faithful is translated as true. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9 through 10, New King James says, Therefore, now that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And this is the part I like. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. That's another scripture in Psalm 23 says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. God is faithful. And God's faithfulness is steadfast. How do you know that? All you have to do is look at your life and you can say, God has proven he has proved himself to be faithful. Anybody got that testimony? Huh? God has proved himself to be what? Faithful. At the time you're going through it, it don't seem like it. But after you get through it and you look back, especially if it happened years ago, that had, had to be nothing but God who kept you in that mess that you were in. Who kept you uh, and, and paid for you when you didn't have a dollar to change, but you still ate. Amen. Who kept you in the midst of sickness and distress. Who kept you when you broke, busted, and disgusted. Who kept you. God has proven himself faithful even in the midst of your biggest heartbreak. I can look back at it now. <laughs> And then I say, again, God, you proved yourself faithful. But when my mother went to heaven, I didn't know. <laughs> when my father had gone to heaven, I didn't know. Yes, when there are many aunts and uncles that's gone to heaven, I didn't know. Yes, when there are cousins in them that's gone on, I didn't know. And when my big brother went to heaven, I didn't know. But God has proved himself. <laughs> he has proved himself faithful. And I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I am not the only one. In addition to that, he is the God of the amen. Not just this steadfast God. God of the amen. That means this. He is the God who always accomplishes what he says. <laughs> he says amen to his own word. <laughs> God says, I said this thing and I will put an amen on the He said, I will confirm myself with my own word and I'll say amen. Because if you look in the back of the book, I believe the very last word says amen. <laughs> Woo. God confirms his own word with his own amen. Amen. 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> I read something the other day that said, God doesn't design accidents. He creates purposes. <laughs> and then I went on to say, and this is me, if he created the purpose, he will fulfill your purpose because he is not only faithful to you, he is faithful to himself. <laughs> if he said amen to the purpose that he gave you, he is faithful to himself, so he is faithful to perform it. Amen. He will bring it to perfection. He is going to complete that work that he began with his own amen because he began that work in you before you were born. Amen. It may have taken generations for that amen to get to you. Amen. But it comes because he has already said amen. And he is faithful to his word. <laughs> he is faithful to himself. So, but steadfast in Greek means babaios. B-E-B-A-I-O-S. Babaios. It means to be stable, certain, binding, and secure. And the word steadfast, babaios, is translated into the following word. It means to be firm, which comes from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. And it means to be steadfast means steadfast, <laughs> which comes from the from Hebrews chapter three and verse 14. This word babaos is translated sure, which comes from Romans chapter four and verse 16. This word babaos is translated into a force which comes from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 17. And then it is not only sure, but it is more sure, coming from 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. So it's firm from Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6. It's steadfast from Hebrews 3 and 14. It's sure from Romans 4 and 16. It's a force from Hebrews 9 and verse 17, and it's more sure in 2 Peter 1 and verse 10. Amen. So, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye what? Steadfast. And what? Unmovable. Doing what? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as, excuse me, as much as you know that your labor is what? To be steadfast and unmovable is this. It means that you are spiritually grounded. And if there was ever a time to be that you needed to be spiritually grounded, it's now. If there was ever a time, I'm going to repeat that again, that you needed to there was never a time that you needed to be more spiritually grounded than now. You hear a whole lot of noise. You see a whole lot of so-called people that you thought were steadfast and unmovable, but they were not spiritually grounded. They were, in fact, spiritually immature. A steadfast person knows what he or she believes and cannot be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine or teaching. 
be a steadfast person, an unmovable person, can hear false teaching, engage doubters, and defend truth without even being shaken in their own faith. In other words, that's not to argue with them, because argument, arguing with somebody who's stuck in their mess won't get you nowhere. You'll just spin your wheels and it's trying to take you out of yourself and get you in the flesh. It took, it's a hard lesson to learn. Now, I told this many years ago that I got into it with an atheist when I used to work back in Ohio. And we was going back and forth. At the end of the day, I just said, well, one of us is going to be dead wrong. <laughs> in the end. Either I'm going to live in eternity with him or I'm going to just die and live in the ground. However, my faith is sure. I'm believing what God has told me, what I have been taught, and what I am made spiritually alive to. However, you need to be careful in who you get in an argument with because you have to wonder what they're trying to accomplish. Are they trying to win for win's sake? Or are they trying to come at you, or the devil using them to come at you to get you off of the victory that Jesus won for you? So you have to be discerning. Amen. Second, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, you don't have to go there, I'll read it. Paul was concerned for the church of Corinth. He was concerned then. He said, oh, that you would bear with me a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For he for if he who comes preaches another, another Jesus whom we have not preached, Or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So I said that to say this, even the believers who was taught by the apostle Paul himself, the great apostle that wrote more books in the New Testament than anyone, If he was afraid for them believers who had taught at his feet that they could be deceived, how about us that's many centuries and generations down that we should be concerned with being deceived? So God said this today to us. He's saying you need to be steadfast and immovable. You need to get spiritually mature to withstand these spiritual storms that's coming against your house. Amen. To remain steadfast or to get steadfast and unmovable, you need to get to know the word of God. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15 says, study or be diligent to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth to accurately handle the word of truth. You must not only read the word. You need to allow it to become part of you. You not only need to read the word, you need to allow it to become part of you. How do you do that? You read it, which means you eat it, you digest it, you regurgitate it, you eat it, you read it, you digest it, you regurgitate it. Repeat. Put it on a loop. 
You read it, you eat it, you digest it, you regurgitate it. Amen. Amen. And that truth of the word should so penetrate your mind that you can detect error when you hear it. That's why it's important to know it. That's why it's important to eat it, digest it, and regurgitate it so that when the error comes, you'll be able to detect it. There's so many people that could not detect, especially in this last four or five years, error because they did not eat it, they did not digest it, and they did not regurgitate it. They just came to church and received it, but did not apply it. The reason is this, and I'm almost done. Satan himself will use scripture for his own purposes. He used it on Eve. He used it on Jesus. He tried to, but Jesus Jesus put him where he needs to be, under his feet. So if he's big and bad enough to use it on Eve and use it on Jesus, who do you think you are? Amen. He used it for his own purpose. He'll twist it and make it sound to say something that it does not say. He'll leave out key words. He'll leave out key phrases. That's how cults get people. <laughs> they'll use part of the truth, and the next thing they'll slip in an error. And then more error. And then more error. And then more error. And then more error. And by the time, before you know it, you'll be off somewhere in left field and don't know how you got there, and you can't get back because you're so far over. You need to, you need to be diligent in your seeking of God through his word and meditation because you are we are in we are living in a time where we are the most vulnerable especially over last year with covid and we couldn't come together you are at your most vulnerable and and and, be, and being susceptible and getting caught up in the air one area is you don't need to go back to church <laughs> You get comfortable on your couch, and it's easy. I just flip it on. However, you need to be in fellowship with the people that you are at your local church because they're going through some of the same things that you're going through. And not only do you receive encouragement, you give encouragement. How? By just being there. Amen. Keep hanging in there. Your labor is not in vain, and I'm getting ready to end, all right? Therefore, be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now let me say this. That means serving enthusiastically. Don't limit your work in the Lord to this building. Paul in another place says, and I'm parenthetically saying, everything that you do, do all for the glory of God. Whether it's in here, whether it's on your job, whether it's walking through the grocery store, whether it's serving a community, a volunteering in the community, everything you do, consider it the work of the Lord. Why? Because you never know when some individual is either watching you or will come to you and you're not prepared to minister to them. Because you're looking at it as a as work, as a drudgery, as being overwhelmed by something. But God, there are no accidents. God only creates purposes. Amen. And your purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you are. 
You are the only Bible that some people may ever read. If you're not the only one, you may be the first one. So what are they reading? If you come in complaining just as much as they do, if you come in acting just like they do, if you come in talking like they do, what is that saying about you? You have to always remember this. For by grace are we saved. That not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen. Romans 12, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you're doing is only reasonable service in time. But you're sending up timber. Mm, Amen. God knows you get tired. And you do. I do. I ain't afraid to admit it. And you get overwhelmed by things. And even if you, especially if you're doing ministry related stuff, because you hear a lot of bad stuff. (laughs) Yeah. People are going through stuff. And then you got your own stuff. (laughs) that you're going through. Even in community service, you hear people going through stuff. God knows you get tired. But always be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always working in the Lord. Because your labor is not in vain. And I refer you back to the first scriptures where it said this corruptible will put on incorruption. That makes it all worth it. What we go through in time makes it all worth it if we raised up in incorruption. So I'm going to tell you again and then I'm done. Keep hanging in there. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And if you are in Christ, your work is everywhere. You are. Amen. Amen. Praise God for his word. Amen. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. Stand to your feet if you can.